Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Executive Minds Podcast. This is Kevin Jennings, and I'm happy to be here with you today as we get to dig into a topic I personally could be more excited to bring to this community. And in this episode, we're talking to uh, a buddy of mine, Pastor Clay Scroggins, who leads the Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, one of the largest campuses of one of the largest churches in America, uh, where they average over about 9,000 people every week. Um, and he's written two amazing books, but this book we're talking about today is his most recent one. It's called How to Lead in a World of Distraction, Four Simple Habits for Turning down the noise. Now, this matters because that's something we're all going to deal with, whether you're the leader, whether you're an emerging leader, um, whether you just walked in the door, you're an intro employee, whether you're the CEO, we are all something always competing for our attention. In fact, uh, as a marketer, I know for based on my profession that I am paid (laughs) to try to step in and gain your attention. And so when people like me are being paid money to acquire your attention from whatever you're currently doing, the feeling and the tension you have to not be distracted is very, very real. And here's the thing, while while smartphones and consistent internet access are easy targets and worth worthy of blame, you know, the root problem lies much deeper and that's what hinders our ability to lead well. And so Clay has some, I would say some countercultural perspectives that are really going to be helpful to help us overcome distraction. And so I'm not going to uh, belabor much longer, but we dig into things like differentiating busyness from distraction and, and how and how we can recognize the difference between the two. We dig into some some practical tips on how you can help your team be a little bit less distracted as well. And I think you're going to benefit a ton from this because at the end of the day, he's thinking a lot less about just strategies to turn down notifications on your phone while that's worthy is really about how you're doing on the inside because there's literally something much greater at play when we feel distracted the way that we do. All right. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Clay Scroggins and I hope at the end of this episode, you feel like you have a, a strategy, a plan to combat distraction so you can bring your best self to work every day. Here is my interview with Clay Scroggins. Hello, Executive Minds listeners. Kevin Jennings with you again, and I have the pleasure of being here with a person who I personally admire and have a great deal of respect for. The fact that when you're around him, there's there's joy, there's smiles, there's laughter, uh, and yet you still feel there's purpose and intention. I'm here with my friend. He may not know he's my friend yet, but I'm, I've already commandeered him when he's not around, so I guess I say it to his face. Uh, Clay Scroggins. Hey, Clay. Kevin Jennings. What's up, my man? Thank you for that kind intro. That was too much, man. You're making me blush. Thank you. Well, I feel like that's important because I think I can talk about the books you've written and the people you lead, and they're going to hear all about that when I add my special intro at the beginning. But but I do think that it's important people recognize that what we're trying to do on this podcast is put them in front of leaders who've grown their careers uh, and and grown their businesses or grown their organizations, but they're also good people. And they're people who, who are who are working really hard to make sure that 
the person outside of work is even better than, than you know, than the person at work. Uh, and so I think that's one, one thing I cherish about you. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I've learned that health is not a destination. Health is not something you get to. You know, we don't all of a sudden wake up one day and we go, oh, we're healthy. Um, just like our physical health is not that. I mean, but in general, uh, we all want to be trending toward healthy. I've learned that phrase from my good friend, Sean C. at Athens Church. I love the way he puts that, that we want to be trending toward health. Um, and that's certainly true of me, that I want to be a person that's, I just know I can't, I can't lead like I want to lead if I'm not moving toward becoming a healthier person, both physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, relationally, all the, all the elites, all of them. Um, so yes, it's a big deal to me. Well, honestly, it's one of the things that came through in your book, which is why I asked for the interview, you know, for those who are not familiar with, with, with clay and his, his work, I mean, he's done a lot and, and you know, leading, uh, as the lead pastor of, of Buckhead church, but also he's written a new book, uh, that I'm a big fan of, and it's all about how to lead in a world of distraction. And so clay, my first question for you really is pretty simple. I think that most people who would listen to this podcast would feel like there, there are things vying for their attention and that most of us would say we're too busy or stretched, you know, a bit too much, but I don't know if we would say we're distracted, but yeah. I think the book attacks us from a very unique perspective. So what would you say is the difference between busy and distracted? If there's a difference at all? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great distinction that I haven't necessarily spent much time thinking about it, but I, I do agree there's a difference between busy and distracted. I mean, leaders are busy and we love busy people uh, where I work. In fact, we, the people that are the busiest are usually the ones that we're most apt to give a new project to because that little statement that Jesus made that whoever is faithful with a little can be trusted with a lot, that there is a correlation between your ability to get stuff done and your ability to take on new projects and new responsibilities. So yeah, there's a sense in which there's not necessarily anything inherently wrong with busyness, being busy. Uh, distraction, however, is a little different. The way I have been thinking about it, really the way I was thinking about it when I decided to publish this book was distraction is really more under our control than I think it's ever been in the past. Obviously, there's more distractions today than there's ever been. This is a very, um, this topic I've learned is a very relevant topic. I was hoping it was, but the more I've talked about it, the more I've talked to people about it, the more I feel like it's resonated with the majority of people in our society because people feel distracted. I was doing this interview with this lady. I think she was with the Christian Post and we're about 10 minutes into the interview. I felt like I was like her fourth interview of the day and she kind of stops in the middle of it. She had kind of been like robotically asking the questions and she stopped in the middle of it and she goes, this is really relevant. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, I hope it is. I mean, she was like, no, no, no. Like, this is going to really help people. And I was like, well, I mean, that's kind of the point of it. I don't know. I don't know what other interviews you've had today. I don't know if you've been like interviewing people about like textbooks for school and stuff. But yes, I think this can help people because we are distracted. But the problem is not the distraction. Just like the problem is not really the busyness. The problem is all of us have something in our life we reach for when we don't want to deal with the stuff inside of us. And that's what distraction really is. It's become this thing in life that we reach for when we don't want to feel what it is we don't want to feel or when we don't want to deal with the stuff inside of us that would actually help us become more healthy. 
So it's really a book about emotional health. It's a book about self-leadership. And distraction, unfortunately, is the maybe the greatest obstacle or the culprit of most of our emotional health. I love that so much. Um, and that's one thing I thought the book was awesome about. So it's like, hey, distraction is, is a phrase that I would assume and only place that on social media. I would I would assume it it is yeah you know the billboards when I'm driving that are designed to distract me from my current thing, and I would I would I would place yeah. the blame externally, and say people or things distract me, and not I'm the one seeking that. So with that being said, you know you say that the noise in our lives is masking something, and so I was I just wanted to ask from your research and observations, have you noticed a pattern regarding what we are all trying to run or hide from? Yeah, I love the way you said that, that we do, a lot of times we see distraction as a passive thing, that other things are distracting me. But what I've found is that we, we've all got our fingers on the dial of something. And, and the truth is, it can be anything. Uh, anything in life can be a drug. Work, ministry, social media, health, fitness, eating, honestly, anything that you reach for to keep yourself from feeling what it is you don't want to feel and I do think there are some common things that we feel. I mean, it's really, it's, ultimately, it, it, it stems from pain. It's anything that we don't, that we're discomforted by, anything that, we, that we're feeling that we don't want to feel. And that's primarily some, some kind of pain from our past or something in our life right now that's causing us pain. So I like to think of it as just the general category of negative emotion, um, any negative emotion. I, I know for I'm in a men's group right now with brand new guys from Buckhead Church. I hope none of them are listening to this podcast because they told me right at the front, they were like, hey, man, please don't ever make us a sermon illustration. <laughs> um, and, but they didn't say podcast illustration. So, um, but I, I was asking last week, I kicked it off with just a question. I said, hey, what's the greatest source of your insecurity right now? And it was so interesting as we ran around the group and everybody kind of sat on it for a minute. It was like, huh, let me think. Okay, what, what is creating my any insecurity that I have? What's creating it? And they all, you know, they named different things, but it all kind of, if there was a general theme, you know, some would say, well, it's work. You know, am I doing enough? Am I meeting the objectives? Am I hitting my numbers? Some would say, as a dad, one of them said, in marriage, I look at other people's marriage and it seems like everything's going great. I look at mine and I just wonder, is it, as good as it can be. And it's ultimately, it's all about comparison. It's all about measuring yourself according to someone else, which is creating, ultimately, which is creating insecurity. Insecurity is a form of pain. It's a form of, uh, it creates instability. And I can't be the best leader I want to be if I'm not leading from a secure place. And all of that comes from, I think, it comes from a, uh, it's a negative emotion that is sourced or it, it begins somehow in some area of pain in my life. So I think that's ultimately what we're masking, what we're avoiding is we're avoiding dealing with those difficult things. If it was easy, we'd deal with it. If it felt good, we'd deal with it. But the hit of dopamine that we get from getting a new email or from that Facebook post that we read, we like that feeling. We don't like the feeling of loneliness or inadequacy or jealousy or disappointment or bewilderment or feeling of dismay that our jobs or our marriages or our kids or our parents or, or whatever it is around us. We don't like that sense that it gives us. And okay. That's, that's incredible. Cause I, I don't, you know, I don't think most of us, once again, we're thinking about, you know, the patterns. Yeah. I think most are going to say, Oh yeah, he's going to tell us, you know, these two or three things and looking like this, this list of what the distractions are. But I think that's powerful. I, I'm going to ask one follow up to that. And that is, 
we obviously have tons of things we can do to cope, you know, but one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is, are there fewer healthy means of coping or would you say, I'm not trying to change you to a therapist, right? But I am, I am curious from your, from this perspective of leadership and growing your career, is it a healthy thing done too much and shifting a healthy relationship to a negative one? Or is it no, 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 we're choosing negative things and, and avoiding the healthier choice. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great distinction that you're making because most of those things I've been talking about are not unhealthy. I mean, work is a great thing. Food can be a great thing. Exercise can be a great thing. Uh, for the most part, you know, it's the, it's the, when we're coping with negative things, those are the ones that get all the attention, you know, alcohol, prescription pills, any kind of pornographic addiction. Those are the things that we always hear about, but the truth is all of us are coping with something. Um, and it, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's usually a good thing, but the danger is there are so many of them. There are more now than there's ever been before. And it is primarily rooted in technology. Uh, there's been a study done by career builder a couple of years ago that asked employers about distraction and they identified that 75% of employees admit to wasting two or more hours a day being distracted. And when they listed the culprits, eight out of 10 were technological, email, social media, internet browsing, things of that nature. So those are new problems. We didn't have the, I say problems, those are new opportunities for distraction. Hmm. We didn't have those 20 years ago. Um, You know, we're seeing it in kids these days. When kids get home from school, you know, when you and I got home from school, we were disconnected relationally. But now, Kids are using relationships as a way to cope from feeling what they don't want to feel because relationships never turn off. They're 24-7. They're always connected. So it's not that we're looking to bad things more than we ever have before. It's the plethora. It's the cacophony of distractions that's grown in our society that is causing us to avoid those things we don't want to avoid at a higher rate than we ever have before. And it's stunning us. We're, We're less emotionally aware than we've ever been before. And if you're not emotionally aware, you can't deal with your emotions. You can't deal with something that you're not willing to admit is there. And so until you actually find it and feel it, uh, you don't have the ability. You don't have the opportunity to share it and to let somebody else care for it. Uh, but that's a, that's, I think it's an epidemic in our society today that, um, to your point, it's not a, an epidemic of bad things. It's, we have a lot of really good things that's creating a problem that we might not even recognize at this point. Initially, I was going to ask you about emotional patterns, but I think you you hit on that so well. So so I guess my next question would be, how does focusing on emotional, because it's all all emotional patterns, negative feelings, negative emotions. How does focusing on our emotional and maybe even spiritual health help in the battle to overcome these distractions or interruptions? Well, I think I, I see distraction as the thing that gets in our way from focusing on our emotional health that are mm-hmm. our, our distractions you know so th- here, here's the way i understand emotions emotions are emotions are messengers uh, there's a reason if you know I, it is in me when i am alone to feel loneliness that's a primal instinct it, it actually keeps me safe however if i am not paying attention to my emotional health or my emotional state i would rather just distract myself and so i've you know when i do this talk in front of crowds, I usually ask them, Hey, so what are the things that you use to distract yourself? And almost every single time somebody will say, 
I turn on the office on Netflix and just let it run when I'm at home. I've had numerous people that have even said, I turn it on while I'm sleeping and I just have it running in the background. And when you start digging in and asking the questions, well, why do you do that? Most people don't know because distractions actually kill our curiosity. It keeps us from being curious about what's really going on. But I guarantee you that person is probably running from something. They're probably avoiding something or there's something they don't like the way it feels. And so they don't want to feel it. Oftentimes it is loneliness. Um, I had the opportunity to sit down with another Nashvilleian, uh, Dave Ramsey, and ask him about this topic. I said, Dave, you've been on the radio for dozens of years, a couple dozen years, for three hours a day. Surely you've seen this in people's financial patterns. He said, oh yeah, as soon as you started talking about this, I thought about an example where he talked about this lady that he had recently spoken with who called into his show. She said, hey, I've got a problem buying shoes. He goes, okay, tell me about the problem. She says, well, I, I have so many shoes. When I open up my closet, the shoes fall out on top of me. He's like, all right, that, that does seem like a problem. Most people just get a bigger closet, but I love that you're attacking the problem. And he said, have you ever found a pattern? Have you ever noticed when it is that you buy shoes? And again, she's probably never been curious about it because distractions are designed to kill our curiosity. And she said, yeah, I guess when, when I think about it, I usually stop and buy a pair of shoes after I drop my kids off at my ex-husband's house. Mm. Well, that's a really, as soon as Dave shared that, I thought, wow, what a powerful example because this sweet lady is clearly, she's avoiding something or she's masking something. She's using that that hit that she gets from buying shoes to cover up something that she doesn't want to deal with. So the same thing is true though in the workplace. You know, we all do things, we all have behaviors that we reach for when we don't want to feel what it is we want to feel. And so it's really a, what I'm really asking people to do is would you be willing to be self-introspective? Would you be willing to look in the mirror and identify your noise? Just simply identify your noise. Figure out what it is. You know, is it I work too much? Is it I got to appear to be successful. Is it I spend too much time thinking about fantasy sports? I mean, you, it, it could be anything. And then would you just, would you experiment with it? You know, the scientific method is make a hypothesis about something, pick a variable to change, change it, and then test it and see what happens. And so maybe it means turning off your radio as you're driving to work. Maybe it means getting off social media on a Sunday. Maybe it means taking a break from work for a 24-hour period, uh, that's called a Sabbath. Maybe it means fasting from desserts or fasting from alcohol. But, and, and you might not find anything out, but it's worth identifying it and it's worth experimenting with it just to listen to what's there so that you might learn something, so you might discover something. And that's what's on the other side of distraction is discovery. Uh, and we're just, we're missing it. We're losing it uh, at, at a higher rate than ever before. So, Clay, I wanted to ask you a question. You kind of alluded to it with the scientific method and what's going on outside of work. I just think so many of us are going to struggle with work-life balance. And we're going to say, maybe I'm trying to avoid I said, this pressure, this noise at work, sometimes self-induced. Like I said, you know, you said earlier, if someone does a good job with one project at your organization, they may get another one. <laughs> and right. you look up. And now, they could have told you no. They could have said, I can't handle that, right? But they might have taken on more than they can handle. And now work-life balances out. And now that's out of whack in a weird way. You're trying to find maybe a third source of noise. I'm just curious from what your observation as a leader um, and with yourself, just how you've seen distractions affect people outside of work. Like, I think for most of us, we might know 
what it looks like at work, you know, through even through the survey through Career Builder. But how might this show up outside of work? They may be mindful of when they're doing their kind of you know assessment. Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to recognize that your personal growth is not just personal. I think that's a myth that sometimes we believe that, oh, well, yeah, okay, so I, I need to grow. I need to lead myself. I need to work on myself personally uh, so that I can be a better me. And, and that's just a, um, that's, that's just partially true, that personal growth isn't just personal. Personal development isn't just personal. Your personal life isn't just personal, that it affects everyone around you. And there are people around you that need you to grow personally so that you can be a better you because you affect them. And so when I get better as a, when I lead myself well outside of work, it makes me a better dad. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a healthier friend. It makes me, it, it deeply affects work because all of those areas of my life are interdependent. They're all connected to each other. A lot of times we think about life as trying to keep all these balls in the air that we're juggling. Uh, but those balls are all connected and it doesn't matter what you do, it, whether you're working in a uh, big corporation or whether you work for a school, all of those areas of life are deeply connected to each other. So outside of work, I think a lot of the same principles apply that usually we run from those things that we don't want to feel, whether it's in-laws or uh, my own health or my own feelings of not being enough. And sometimes we do look to hobbies or we just can't stand what it feels like to be at home or we feel like a failure at home. And so we end up spending our time in other places. The point of this is turn down the noise, turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious about what's going on in there. I mean, this, this is what's so crazy, Kevin, is every single person has got their own story and everybody's got a different thing they reach for. And so there's not one size fits all answer, but there is a rhythm of life that we can ascribe to where we are turning it down low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious about what's going on for the sake of our development, for the sake of the people around us. One of the things that you said that really resonated with me was just saying as well, like, you know, what are you just trying to avoid? Like, I mean, and I know that might sound so simple, but I think for many of us, you know, this will be our first time playing the role of detective within ourselves. Yeah. And and so saying, hey, just just start by that. Like if you can find something you're trying to avoid and then say, why am I trying to avoid that? And, you know, um, you know, I think with Toyota uh, popularized that whole five whys, you know, asking you asking why five times back to back to back. Oh, so why yeah. am I avoiding this? OK, well, I'm doing this. Okay, why am I doing that? OK, well, why? Well, and, until you start to find a, a root cause. Well, so with that, you kind of gave us our plan on what we should do to start with ourselves. I'm curious for those who might say, okay, I, I know I'm a work in progress, but that's something I, I am doing with myself. Or now that I have something, I'll start there. But I am responsible for a team of people when I want them to also be emotionally, spiritually healthy people. What does a leader do to start with helping their team overcome these distractions and maybe, like I said, lower the volume of the noise low, low enough and long enough? Yeah. I, you got to start by modeling it. So you're right. You do have to start with yourself and you might have to talk about it. You might have to be willing to be a little bit vulnerable and transparent with, with what you are experiencing. I typically, I try not to be overly vulnerable about stuff that I'm right in the middle of, but stuff that I'm on the other side of, I try to be as open as possible about it. I would then say, Hey, you've got to 
show your team that if they put in boundaries, personal boundaries, you'll respect their boundaries. Hmm. And sometimes that's not possible if you're, if you're in a, you know, sometimes if you're in a field like natural disaster, you can't just turn your phone off whenever you want to turn it off, but you can respect people's boundaries when they're on vacation. So if they say, Hey, I'm going to be gone Monday to Friday on vacation and you've given them permission to do that, then you've got to really respect that and allow them the space to be able to turn it down. I mean, one thing we do is we pay for counseling uh, for our employees because we're, we're really, uh, it's amazing how few of them use it. But the reason why we do it is because it's symbolic. It's a, it's a symbol saying, hey, your, your personal health is a priority to us, that you can't wow. be a great employee unless you're as healthy as, as you can be. And that's a statement for us to let them know that we'll help you in those. We, we really try to create a culture where it's a, we're going to run hard culture, but if you raise your hand and say, I need a breather, we try to respect that and try to respond to that. You know, if you belittle people that have to take uh, a break, that have to take some time off, if you, you know, talk trash about that person when they're not there, you're, you know, you're obviously letting everybody know. Uh, what's really appropriate and what's acceptable, what's going to be celebrated, what's going to be tolerated and what's not. And you, you get a chance to set that culture by the way you talk about it. So I think you've just got to make a decision, first of all, that people's health is a priority to you. Uh, you've got to care more about the people, about the person than you do about the job that they're doing. And if you do that, uh, I think it will, it, it creates uh, the kind of culture where you're getting a lot done and it also, I think, attracts great people. It gives them the freedom to get healthy. Before I have you plug the book, which I want everyone to to, to know all about, I have one follow-up because I think you, you slipped a piece of wisdom in there that I've never heard someone say the way you said it. And I'm just curious to get some more context. You said, I will try, try to be a little bit more protective of things I'm in the middle of, yeah. but share things as open as I can about things I'm on the other side of. Um, and by the way, I think that's also a great rule of thumb, but I am curious because I would say I'm the leader that sometimes struggles with with ba- with balancing what to know what to share. Because I'm typically right. a, a very open person. What what about sharing things you're in the middle of potentially hurts you as a leader? Now, and I, and I, and I know there's something there, and I, but I'm just I just trust you to have yeah. better wisdom about it than I do to say it. You know, Kevin, th- this is um, yeah, th- this is me just speaking off the cuff. So I might this is one of those that I might think more about and go, you know what, I don't know, but in. This is just what I've tried to practice. And it might be one of those things that's relegated to being a pastor. Sure. Uh, but there is a sense of moral authority that I want to carry and need to carry to be able to do my job well. So sure. people need to be able to trust that I'm okay. Because of the nature of my work, um, I'm constantly in conversations with people caring about delicate stuff very deep personal details about their life, about their marriage, about their finances. So I guess an example would be uh, if my wife and I have a fight last night and she throws her wedding ring at me and says, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I'm out. And then she leaves and goes and gets a hotel room. I think it would be a little much for me to say the next morning, hey, just want to let you guys know, Jenny and I are really struggling. She left last night and threw a ring at me. I don't know if we're going to make it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yep, I'm tracking. I don't know that that's the right, I don't know that that's the right time or the right place. Now, I need to share that, but I don't think I would be real. I think I, I don't think it's wise to open that circle up really wide when the future is that unknown. Now, 
I think a year from now, after we've been through a couple months of counseling and we're back in a good place, I think then it's okay to say, listen, I'm telling you, it got bad. I mean, we had a night where, and then to be able to yeah, tell the story totally, of what happened, totally. I think that's, di- but we're in a, we're in a place where we're living together and we're meeting with a counselor on a weekly basis and we're both committed to making it work. I think that's a better, uh, that's a healthier level of vulnerability. However, that might just be, uh, I made up that whole story, by the way, that's never happened to me or my wife, sure, but, sure. but I think that's, Some of it might be, you know, because I'm in ministry and because part of my ability to do my job is determined by the amount of moral authority I have. So it might be something that's for people in ministry and not necessarily in business. But I still think, you know, I don't, I don't, it might still be true in business. What do you think? I think it is true. I mean, here's, I mean, I'm saying to say that, and that example is such a good one because I I think maybe what I've been doing privately, being very transparent to all the listeners, is I think at times I've been thinking, I'm in the middle of this and maybe I am on the other side of it. And that's why I feel so comfortable. Cause I don't think I would be more, I don't think I'd be comfortable sharing something that's, that's still in development in the sense yeah. of that, in the sense that you opening that conversation up to the masses is actually inviting more input and opinions and perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually pr- probably drives a bigger wedge between your resolution with your wife. Right. I mean, hypothetically speaking, like the, you know, oh, that's hey, a great point. Like we're, yeah. we're in the middle of trying to resolve this interpersonally. And we've yeah. now added 17 more voices <laughs> right. and, and right. pressure right now. Like, Hey, we're trying, we're trying to be honest to have something. And now people are saying, Hey, you know, yeah, there's too much weighing in. Whereas even it could even be a week later and saying, Hey, you know what? That was just a tough moment. Yes. There's some big, bigger things we need to work through, but it's being on the rocks in real time. Yeah. And and the fight being the night before is a very different conversation than even saying four months later, depending on how things go. And so, yeah, that's a great point. So I think as leaders, you know, whether moral authority is a part of your role, but if you're trying to solve things, because I wouldn't do it for a team member. If, if me, if a team member was on probation and I had a tough conversation, I wouldn't say, so yes, yeah. I had a tough conversation with colleague over here, A. Yeah. And here's what I learned about it as a leader. I would say, hey, whoa, that's, that's, that's actually damaging trust and yeah. it's and it's going to hinder a strong resolution with that timber i need to wait um yeah. and so i think that i would actually maybe a litmus test that i've got from that, that analogy is just if i'm going to be negatively affecting the per, the people that it involves by sharing it you know i need to possibly hold that a little bit longer which is which, is, which makes a ton of sense so then thank you for that i think many of us want to practice a style of leadership that is much more transparent yeah. Let me just add one other, one other detail to that is, you know, the problem when you're in the middle of it and you're telling everybody about it is let's say that afternoon, you've got to have a budget conversation and you've got to make a hard decision about whether or not to cut a product that you have or a program that you have. You know, when you make that decision, I mean, what are people going to be thinking? They're going to be thinking, Hey, listen, I know that's what Kevin decided, but did you hear his story about his wife, about where he is? Right. I mean, there's, I don't think yes. he's in a place where he can make a decision like that. So yeah. I think that's the other part of it is, you know, that's different than you saying, hey, this is what we dealt with and this is where we were and we're in a different place now. And therefore, I'm in a place where I can have that budget conversation. Anyway, that's, that, that is uh, I've never had that conversation with anyone, by the way, Kevin. So that was very interesting for me. No, that, that's powerful. Thank you. No, I, I thank you for that because I, I often, you know, I said I've, you know, I've been I've been checked by people on my team saying, "Hey, you share too much." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know I did." Sorry, I mean, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, when when you're leading a startup, especially in my in my case, you know, you you want 
you know people are signing up for for this season of instability, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But simultaneously, you feel like in you know, I'm going to counteract that by being honest and open so that you don't feel unstable because I'm holding information from you as well. And I think that's a very yeah. valuable tool for me. Well, yeah. Clay, obviously, I'm, I mean, like I said, I, I think anyone can read any of your books and they're going to get a ton of value. But where people connect with you can connect with you online. How can they learn and pick up a copy of this new book, How to Lead in a World of Distraction? Well, the book is sold anywhere books are sold. So you can get it anywhere. I, I did the audio version. So if you would prefer to listen to, uh, I don't know, you might listen to this podcast and go, nah, bro, I'm done with your voice. Um, if so, you're welcome <laughs> to read the book. But um, I mean, I enjoy it when the author reads the book. It feels like there's a more personal connection to it. But yeah, I've got a, a website, howtoleadonline.org, howtoleadonline.org. There's some other uh, tools and resources to be able to have this discussion with a team. And I'm on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Clay Scroggins. Would love to have a conversation or be able to further even this conversation if anybody's interested in doing that. But I um, really, really appreciate getting to talk about this topic that's so important to me. Well, Clay, thanks again for hanging out with me here on the Executive Minds podcast. I highly recommend this book. I think that for any of us who want to lead at the highest level and want to grow our careers, our ability to lead ourselves well long before we get the position is is really what's going to put us in a situation because that position will expose our health or lack thereof. And I think yeah. this is an opportunity to really in, make an intentional investment in your emotional well-being. There, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. There is a lot of responsibility with your upward mobility in any organization. They're going to hope to get a return on their investment in you. And that means you have to be able to handle that internally. And I can say from a person who's handled pressure well at times and cracked under pressure at times, my investment in myself has been the only thing I can say that has always paid immediate dividends in some form or some form or fashion. So please check this book out and um, you can subscribe to this podcast uh, on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcast. Uh, you can also check out show notes over at executiveminds.co, executiveminds.co. And we hope you join us next time on the Executive Minds podcast. Thanks, Clay. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin.